Hello, and welcome back for another volume of truly disturbing tales taken from Reddit. If this is your first time joining us, thanks for tuning in. If you enjoy creepy tales and true crime, then you've come to the right place. We upload multiple times a week, and I enjoy interacting with subscribers, so please leave thoughts and comments down below. We also operate an Instagram page, so feel free to follow us there for scary facts, previews of upcoming releases, and otherwise unsettling posts. But without any further delay, let's get to today's stories. I live in a city located in a valley with a lot of smaller towns up in the hills and mountains around. So it's part of the local culture for teenagers and young adults to visit these smaller areas during the winter to drink, smoke weed, and hang out with their friends. My uncle bought a house in one of these areas, so eventually I decided to get the keys and spend a weekend there with five of my closest friends. The house has two big bedrooms with three beds in each and a lot of extra mattresses. At night, we decided at some point to go back inside and just chill watching TV. But since the living room had no sofas yet, we brought some mattresses from the bedrooms and just used them to hang out on. One of my friends, Victor, decided to go out to smoke, and after some minutes, we hear someone knocking at the window just behind us. Everyone got scared for a second, but looked at the window and said things like, Oh sh! it's just Victor. But since we're sitting around on the mattresses, close to the ground, it wasn't easy to clearly see who was at the window. And since the person just stood there, looking straight at one of the girls, I got up to check. I saw a man who somehow looked a lot like my friend, but a bit more fat and older than him. As I came to the conclusion that it was a stranger, I froze while looking at him and he looking back at me. When I said to my friends, it's not Victor, everyone else also froze and looked at me waiting for a reaction. But all I could think was to ask what he wanted. He just stood there for a second and asked, Hey, uh, there's a bar nearby, and we need a drummer to play with our band. Is any of your friends a drummer by chance? Which, weirdly enough, I am. But I just told him no, and after some extra long seconds of staring at us, he left. My friend came back, and we made fun of the situation, making jokes on how it was him messing with us, etc. Later, most of the group decided to sleep in one bedroom and leave the second for me and one of the girls since they saw us kissing earlier. We all go to bed, but some hours later, I wake up to the girl shaking me in horror and whispering that she heard something coming from the kitchen. So I get up, tell her to lock the bedroom when I leave, and go check the sound like a moron who always dies first in the films. As I pass by the second bedroom, I think about calling someone else to join me, but as soon as I see them all sleeping, I hear something at the kitchen's window. I quickly move there in silence, check around, and as soon as I find and grab a knife, the door opens right in front of me. It was the same guy. I knew it was no joke, since I just saw my friend sleeping. It probably took about five to ten seconds of each of us staring at each other, but it felt like an eternity. While still holding the door handle, he made a slow movement with the other hand towards something under his shirt, which was probably a gun or a knife. 
but I also lifted my hand showing him the knife that I had, so he stopped. The kitchen was quite small, so we were standing pretty close to each other, and at this point we both knew it would end badly for both of us if he tried something. So I just shook my head and said as calm as I could, Don't. He just kept staring at me for a bit more, then finally closed the door and went away. I went back to the room, told the girl that I was with that it was nothing, and that we should go back to bed. I didn't sleep a wink that night. We left early in the morning, and I made sure to ask my uncle and cousins if they ever received weird visits there. They said that the only person who ever goes there at night is the old neighbor when his wife doesn't let him arrive drunk at home. So he usually crashes on my uncle's rocking chair to sleep it off until he's sober. Now the thing is, is that that visitor definitely wasn't the old neighbor, and he didn't look like he was there to just crash. I don't know exactly what he was there to do, but I'm glad that I was there to keep him from doing it. Now, every year my friends talk about spending another weekend there, but I always make an excuse so we never go through that again, and they never have to know what almost happened. To give a little context to this story, I used to work at an apartment complex. As a result, I've had my fair share of creepy encounters. Most residents keep to themselves and don't cause issues. I'd say about 95% of them, but the other 5% took up almost all of my time. Isaac was one of the 5%. When he first rented his apartment, he definitely had stoner vibes about him, but he was nice enough and passed his background check. Almost immediately, however, he started causing issues. The lady next door complained she could smell his smoke constantly. The guy downstairs complained he could hear his stereo at all hours of the day and night. Another resident accused him of following him home one night. The police were regularly there breaking up fights between he and his girlfriends. We caught him hiding two large dogs in his apartment, and he regularly let them run loose, which ultimately resulted in another dog and two people being attacked. He accidentally discharged a gun in his apartment once. Needless to say, he caused a lot of issues. At first, he was very apologetic and said he would make an effort to remedy the problems himself. But things kept getting worse, and after a year of weekly calls or notices from the office, he eventually became very standoffish. One morning, I received a call from Isaac, letting me know that he'd broken up with one of his girlfriends and she just wouldn't leave the apartment. He asked me to personally come up and remove her, I'm a small woman, so even if I wanted to take the risk, I physically wouldn't be capable of wrestling an angry woman out of his apartment. I suggested that he call the police. He then asked if I could make a maintenance man come up to remove her. I offered to call the police on his behalf, but Isaac said he didn't want to involve them and hung up on me. A few hours later, Isaac came down to the office with a jump drive and said that he needed to print out a 60-plus page document. Residents weren't technically allowed to use our office printer, but on the rare occasion someone asked to, I usually didn't say no. It was an easy way to build up good rapport, after all. But between Isaac becoming such a problem tenant and how large his document was, I told him I couldn't print it. I gave the excuse that our paper, toner, print history 
was monitored and we would get in trouble for printing such a large document out for him. Not liking my answer, he started screaming about how it was bullshit. He accused me of being useless, bringing up my refusal to fight his ex, and power tripping, calling me a fucking bitch multiple times and said someone needed to bring me down a peg. I was pretty over him at this point and told him that if he was going to behave like a child, that he needed to leave. He told me I couldn't make him. Bluntly, I told him he would leave or I'd call the police and have him removed. I also told him that I would ban him from the office going forward. Normally, I tried to kill the residents with kindness, but his lease was ending in a week and I just didn't care anymore. My threat seemed to work. He angrily knocked my pen holder over, then slammed both doors hard. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Grand Canyon University, an affordable private Christian university, is one of the largest and fastest growing universities in the country, offering more than 270 programs online. In addition to federal grants and aid, GCU's online students received nearly $130 million in institutional scholarships in 2022. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash myoffer to see the scholarships you may qualify for. As he left. The following morning, a cop was waiting for me when I got to work. He asked if Isaac was a resident, and I confirmed that he was. The officer explained that the body of a teen had been discovered the day before, and Isaac was their prime suspect. He was the last person to text the kid, asking him to meet where his body was found shortly after the message. The police believed that Isaac had been paid to kill him. Based on the timing of the text, and when the boy was discovered, Isaac would have had to have left my office and gone directly there. Ultimately, the police wanted to use Isaac's move-out day as an opportunity to try and catch him. To nobody's surprise, he didn't show up. When I walked his apartment to inspect for damage, and there was a lot, I found a bank receipt from the day of the murder. Someone had wired him $17,000. I thankfully never saw Isaac again. I do know a few things, though. First, he was caught a few months later in another country, and now he's serving time in prison. And secondly, he's going to have a hell of a time trying to pass a background check any time in the future. So this happened to me a very long time ago. I'm going to say about 35 years now. But it was definitely creepy then, especially when you add in what happened years later. I was in my early 20s and living at home while attending graduate school. I was dropped off home at night after a date with a man who later became my husband. My parents were in the living room with my older brother Eric, and I went upstairs to hang out with my two younger sisters, Sarah and Laura, in the room that they shared. The three of us, I'm sure, were talking about my date and other sister gossip, when suddenly, there was a thump-like noise at the window. Sarah and I heard the noise, 
but didn't really pay attention to it. But Laura was closer to the window and walked up to it and opened the blinds. Suddenly, she screamed. And when Sarah looked at her and the window, we saw why. Staring back at us through the window was a man's face, on the second floor of the house no less. Seeing this man, Sarah and I both screamed as well, and the three of us ran out of the room and sprinted downstairs, screaming that there was a man in our window. My dad immediately ran outside, alone because my brother had some leg injury and was in a brace or a cast and was unable to join him. After a few minutes, my dad came back in and told us he didn't see the man or anyone at all, but there was a ladder laying on its side right under my sister's bedroom window. My dad called the police, who came pretty quickly and searched the area themselves. They didn't find much, though they did notice footprints leading into the woods behind our backyard. Unfortunately, they really couldn't do anything else to find the guy, though they did patrol the area for a while. Since it all happened so fast, and the three of us ran out of the room right away, we didn't get any sort of good look at the man, not to mention it was dark out. Thankfully, though, we never saw him again. However, about 15 years later, I'm now married and have three kids and live in a house not even 10 minutes away from the house that I grew up in. I work as a nurse in a hospital, and one day there was a horrible snowstorm. The roads were awful, and tons of cars were snowed in. Me and a coworker didn't feel safe driving, so we got a ride with another coworker, whose husband was picking her up and had a nice van that was way better to drive in snow. Not far from my first coworker's house, we saw an older man, looking like he was in his late 60s, walking alone on the side of the road. Our driver pulled up and asked if he was okay. The man said his car was stuck in the snow, so he just decided to walk home since it was only about a mile away, if that. We nicely offered him a ride since it was so close, which he accepted. When asked where he lived, it ended up being the very same street that I grew up on. A bit of a ways down the road, since it was a long one, but still effectively neighbors. I commented on this, saying how I grew up there and my parents sold the house a few years earlier. He asked which house exactly, and I told him. He looked at me and said, You lived at... Wasn't that the house that had a man looking in the window? Taken aback, I said that it was. He replied, Oh yeah, I remember reading about that in the paper. The thing is, it was never in the newspaper, and this was something that I knew as fact. The man looking in our window was never in the newspaper, or on the news, or on the radio, or anything like that. My feeling is, this man was the peeping Tom. The man we were giving a ride home to was the same man who I saw staring into our window 15 years before. Now, obviously that could be considered quite the leap to make, but hear me out. First of all, it wasn't in the newspaper. That simply wasn't true. While it's possible this man simply misremembered how he heard about the story and assumed it was in the paper, I don't buy that for a minute. While it was extremely creepy and memorable to me and my family, was it really that memorable for a neighbor quite a few houses down 
to have it be the first thing he recalled about the house 15 years later? I don't think so. There wasn't any yelling or screaming outside of the house. There was no noise like a gunshot or fighting. The only thing that would be potentially memorable for a neighbor was the police being called. And even then, all they did was walk around. They didn't chase after the man or bang a door down. And again, this man in the car didn't even live next door. From his house, maybe he'd see a flashing light. But that's really it. I'm 100% convinced this man was the same man in our window all those years ago. I think me saying that's where I lived at the time gave him some sick pleasure, remembering what he did, and he wanted to see my reaction. Thankfully, I didn't have much of one in the moment, since I was so surprised that he brought it up. After he said that he read it in the newspaper, my only response was saying something like, Oh really? And that was that. A minute or two later, we thankfully reached his house, and that was the last time that I ever saw that creepy man. I wish that I could say that I confronted him and pressed him for an answer, but I didn't. The thoughts I now have obviously didn't come to me in that very short window we were talking in the car, but after thinking about it later and talking to my parents, I was even more convinced. I asked my dad if he knew the guy at all, and all he knew was the guy's name and that he was married, at least at the time that we lived on the street together. Obviously, we couldn't exactly do anything about it. All these years later, it's something my siblings and I will occasionally talk about, even laugh about a little bit, like teasing my brother about being unable to go look for that guy. Though it doesn't change the fact that it was genuinely a terrifying night. My sister Laura, who opened the blinds, was essentially face-to-face with him. Still to this day, she pins her curtains shut at night and refuses to look out windows after the sun has gone down. Telling this, over 35 years later, still gives me a bit of a chill, especially talking to that man 15 years later. If I'm right, and he was the creep, how often did he watch us through that window? Was this the only time, or just the final time? I won't say I'm happy he's no longer alive, since, as sure as I am, I can't really know it was him for a fact. But, I certainly don't feel sad about it either.